You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, live from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Beautiful sunrise over there. Look at that. My it's, goodness. It's the capital of the province, I hear. Yeah, that's a factual fact. Yeah, I like facts. Um, at the bottom of the hour, uh, more on the Flames losing the Heritage Classic 5-2 to the Oilers uh, last night down at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, we'll tell you how we did in our NFL big bets, and we'll have a lock of uh, the evening. No, we don't. Your friends. Oh, it's done. over. Oh, okay. Well, then we won't. Well, we can tell you how we did it on, on Friday? Yeah. So, do we have our total? Yeah, I can, I can bring it up. All right. Uh, but first, our man Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports, brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Charles, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning to you. Quick question. Yes. I love the stadium hockey. I love all that, the outdoor, the whole deal. Are they doing it earlier in the season than it used to be with the heritage um, and, and everything else? It feels like it's early, and I know in this one, the temperature was much higher than the last time they did it, right? You were at negative yeah. the last time. I think it was like 37 degrees when they dropped the puck for this one. But I'm just wondering, it feels like it's earlier. Because I used to remember New Year's Day kind of was the day, right? Yeah. New Year's Day, bam, we're going to have, you know, Outdoor hockey, stadium hockey, the whole deal. Yeah, because the NHL has done this, Charles. On on New Year's Day, they still do the Winter Classic, which always okay. goes uh, January 1 or January 2, whenever they decide on doing it. Right. And then you have uh, the Heritage Classic, which was the Canadian iteration that we had last night, and they played it earlier because it's much easier to have weather in October that isn't as cold as maybe it is in November and December. Uh, when it comes to the city of Edmonton. And then down south, they have games called the Stadium Series where uh, teams like Seattle are playing outdoors. Seattle Seattle well. has the Winter Classic oh, on New okay. Year's, and then the Stadium Series is going to go after that at MetLife with a couple of games on back-to-back days with we're, some of the yeah, New York like a, teams involved. Yeah. Is it a doubleheader or is it do, do, two days? Two days, back-to-back days, one day and then the next day. Um, the the thing is for it, me is it Rangers, Devils, or something like that. Who Rangers are part, that? Rangers are participating in one of them. I can't remember what the other games are this year, but they're later on. I want to say they're almost in March this season. But uh, let's see here. Devils are in one of them for sure. Uh, it's in New Jersey, obviously at MetLife. But yeah, Flyers, yeah, Devils Life. on the seventeenth of February. Rangers, Islanders on the eighteenth. There yeah. You go. Okay. There you so, go. They, so they use so they use the locals obviously as, as you know your drawing card and the whole deal. How many years ago was it? And then we'll get to what we're here for. I'm sorry. I just you know no, you're I, good. I like hockey too. Okay. Um, how many years ago was it? They played one in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. Ooh, the Dodgers and and Kiss performed too. As I recall, that was ten right. years ago. That was 2014 exactly. Stadium Series. Yeah, 2014. Right? Yeah. Had to, how did they how did they do with ice and everything? Because I remember when I first heard it, I said, "That sounds like a disaster waiting to happen right off the top." Los Angeles it was a little soft outdoors. I, I think that one was okay. The worst one that they've had was recently when they did a game at Lake Tahoe, 
and the Sun was uh, really bad at puck drop. It, they did the game too early in the day, so the Sun hadn't gone yeah. behind the mountains yet, and uh, that was swampy. They had to yeah. delay that game, I'm pretty sure, to make sure that the ice was okay. That was the worst one they've ever done. That was a Lake Tahoe game recently for sure that one comes to mind i'm interested to see how they do it in seattle it gets chillier there but yeah, yeah they, they, they get move it all around it gets, oh yeah it gets chilly i think the cracking will be fine listen i'll leave it here i love it when they do it i i used to love when hbo would would do the lead-in because you mm. remember it was just just the one essentially right and then they've expanded it that series they did with the capitals and the penguins and how much they hated each other that was back when Dan Bisma uh, was the yeah. coach of yeah. Pittsburgh, and and Bruce Campbell, I mean not Bruce Campbell, but Bruce, um, um, what's his name? He coached like eighteen different teams. Boudreau, oh Boudreau, Boudreau, Bruce Boudreau yeah. was coaching coaching Washington, and the hate was real. Mm-hmm. They hated each other, and that one actually got delayed. You remember it was a weather. <laughs> they had a weather thing. They were supposed to play that afternoon. They ended up having to move it to night. And it was a, I mean, but the lead in, Leah Shriver, like he does hard knocks with the voice. Yeah. And he did like a four part series before they played. And mm-hmm. I used to love those, but now they play so often that that's really not the case. But I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We all need to meet up. I need to come hang with you guys and we need to go to one of these. And I love the sweaters. I always can't wait to see yes. what they're going to wear because they, you know, as a heritage, they, they usually go to a throwback and, kind of the roots of the whole thing, and I kind of like what the guys were wearing yesterday. You know what? I I actually felt with the lead-up to these games that they kind of have a bit of an NFL feel because you do the whole media day leading up to it. Like, Do do you kind of get the same sense? You get the whole documentary. There's way more media. There's way more people. There's way more eyeballs. It's a spectacle like an NFL game, I find. I love that. I love love that comparison, and what I would love to know – is to be embedded with these teams that are playing in them, right? And they get all this lead-up, like, as you said, like it's an NFL game. You have the pressers, right? You have the lead-up. You have the documentaries. All of us media people are swooped in for this game because it's a big, big deal. But they play 80. (laughs) How do you handle all of that and not let that affect you for the next five games or so, right? The lead-in, because you're playing games leading into it. Right. And then you're playing games immediately after. How do the best teams navigate all that when that yeah. one game is the big deal in the midst of all that? Yeah, it's it's definitely a bit uh, of a letdown. Uh, Charles, uh, Maddie and I went out after the game last night, and I had this little uh, tidbit that I shared with Maddie that I want to ask you about. Uh, we saw that just yeah. terrible injury to Kirk Cousins uh, yesterday, yeah, tearing gosh. his Achilles. It's just no good. The Vikings, <sighs> big win yesterday. Big win against the San Francisco 49ers. Looking like they're turning their season around. I, I, I got a hot take for you. If I'm the Vikings, yeah. especially with Kirk Cousins now, he's a free agent in the offseason. If I'm the Vikings, am I calling the Cardinals for Kyler Murray? I don't see why you wouldn't make that phone call and see what's available. You know, and see what it's going to cost, what it looks like. I have no idea where the Vikings are salary cap wise, et cetera. The other question we have to ask ourselves, because I don't, I like where you're going with this, okay? So understand what I'm saying is that would be very intriguing to me, okay? 
but let's go, let's do this now real quick. Kwesi Mensa Adafo, the GM of Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell, head coach of Minnesota, how they constru- are trying to construct this team, what they want to accomplish and how they run offense, et cetera, et cetera. Would that be the match that you want and desire? Would Kevin O'Connell want to change things and have the ability to change to accommodate Kyler and his salary and your salary cap structure? And is that the edge that you might need in that division? Because Detroit looks like the team you're going to have to deal with for the next few years. Right. That's what it all comes down to. You know, all those questions have to be answered, but just for us, and having yeah. fun and, and in examining it, that's a very intriguing proposition because now you introduce Kyler Murray into the NFC North and ask those defense coordinators how much fun it'd be to try and chase him around and deal with Minnesota because if he runs around and keeps a play alive, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne are having extra opportunities to find themselves free downfield. That's not something the defense coordinator wants to deal with. Right. Hmm. I, I like where you're going on this. Bengals have uh, with another victory over the weekend after their slow start. They're able to go in and, and beat San Fran. Um, the yeah. showing from the defense, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Was this a, an instance where Brock Purdy's starting to look mortal by the week, or was this an mm-hmm. instance where the Bengals' defense showed out? Much more on the Bengals' side. Obviously, Brock is showing he's mortal. But I become mortal when Debo Samuel doesn't play. Mm. I become mortal when Christian McCaffrey's playing hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite as good. <laughs> when Trent Williams is trying to play at left tackle and he's playing hurt. You know, all the things that any normal team has. This isn't, you know, strictly to San Francisco. Everyone's got to deal with it. But you're not at your best when you're, your best guys aren't out there with you. So, yeah, Brock's got a little bit of an issue there. But one more time... Lou Anarumo, defense coordinator, Cincinnati. Not only is he accomplished as a coordinator, not only does he do a wonderful job in, in, in the product he puts out there and how hard they play for him and the types of plays they make, he's exactly what I believe a head coach should be in the NFL, a person who has presence, commands the room, respects his players, his players respect him, they're going to play hard for him. And why he hasn't been a head coach already I think is a failure on part of people who are doing interviews. Wanted to ask you about the starts of the season for this team, because we've now seen it in back-to-back years where they get off to a slow start, but then they kind of find their way. The problem is that this year their division is much better, and four and three at this point of the season is not necessarily something to write home about. Right, and and you're right, because last year they were in the same spot, weren't they? They were three and three, remember? Yep. And here's the weird part. Do you remember they were 0-3 in their division to start yep. the season? And sure I think do. they finished 3-3 three and three and ended up winning the division and the whole deal. But you're right, Baltimore playing much better out of the gate this year. And truthfully, we could make a strong case that Baltimore should be undefeated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They really, we really could. Look at their two losses, and you just ask yourself, did they lose those? Did someone beat them, or did they spit those back? I definitely lean much more that they spit those games back. No, if I actually saw one, I saw the one against Pittsburgh and we actually were in the car yesterday, leaving Pittsburgh. And someone said, you remember last time we left here? 
did they really beat Baltimore that week? I mean, that's still where we were on that one because that just was a weird day. But all that being said with Cincinnati, why? I think it's – let's just make it simple. Joe Burrow is never healthy to start a season. He's not. Think about – look, if you just go back through his career, from the time he was drafted, the one year he was healthy, they didn't have training camp for – they didn't have a great training camp. Why? Because it's COVID year. So he didn't have preseason games or anything. He was a rookie. Then every year since then, he's coming back from ACL. He's coming back from appendectomy. He's coming back from calf injury. His preseason has always been truncated. And I do think that that affects that ball club because it takes a while to find the footing. Did he not look like Joe Burrow totally yesterday? We saw the flashes a couple weeks ago at Arizona, right? We saw him carry it over against Seattle. Yesterday, he ran around like, you know, he was fully healthy. I saw him on that one sprint. I said, oh, 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 And then how about his way through the ball against one of the better defenses in the league? Yeah, he's back, and he's back in a, in a, in a vengeance. But I do think it's as simple as he's never been healthy to start a season, and that affects that Bengals team because as quarterback-centric as this league is, I don't think anyone's more quarterback-centric than the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, sticking on that uh, kind of school of thought there, Charles, I know this sounds harsh, but is Brock Purdy maybe a system quarterback and now he's getting a little exposed? Um, Brock Purdy got drafted in the seventh round for a reason. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, it proves out. I don't think that he is going back and, and, and we're reversing it to where, oh, what a major mistake getting Brock Perry. That's not it at all. I still think that he is a good player. He makes good decisions for the most part. But the people around him make his talent better. He's not a quarterback that's going to lift everyone with him. You know who those people are. Yeah. He needs things to be right. The best way I can compare it, Matt Jones in New England. His rookie year, Josh McDaniels, who whatever you want to say about him as a head coach, his track record as offense coordinator is pretty darn good, right? Now, if you want to say Brady this, okay, okay, take Brady out of it. Go back to Matt's rookie year. They had a seven-game win streak, won 10 games, got to the playoff, and Matt Jones went to the Pro Bowl. So I think Josh McDaniels is a very good offensive coach and handles a young quarterback quite well. He knew what Mac's limitations were. He knew how to accentuate what he did positively. He built it around it. And by the way, the talent level wasn't exceedingly better than what he's playing with right now. Bill O'Brien's trying to get back to some of that. But that's what it is. Mac can play within that system, and people around him, he can, he can be better when those people are good. Is he going to rise other people up with him? I don't think he's that quarterback. I think Brock Purdy's in a similar situation. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports, joining us here on the Tom's House of Pizza guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Charles, who had maybe Pete Carroll doing better than Bill Belichick after their franchise quarterbacks leave their team? (laughs) I'm not sure anyone did. I mean, just because when Russell Wilson left – it was a borderline deal about whether you actually saw the true slippage in Russell's game 
because there's an excuse there, remember? Russell's last season in Seattle, he had the finger injury. Right. And so he missed time, and then when he came back, we had a, he had an easy we had an easy out watching him play, didn't we? Well, he's trying to play through the finger, and it's just not the same, blah, blah, blah. In truth, when we look back now, we saw the slippage. We just didn't know it. You know, it happens a lot, like in boxing. Ah, champ had a rough day. We didn't, you know. <laughs> Whoa. We didn't realize at that moment, yeah, we're seeing it. It's done. Or it's not going to be as good. Yeah, I, I think that that's been a major surprise because we just figured they would both figure the whole thing out. Plus, when they got Mac Jones, as I said, they went 10-7 and seven that year and went to the playoffs. The future looked bright. And then, of course, they went with the Matt Patricia experience and <laughs> Joe Judge experience, and everything just, just cratered, and they're trying to rebuild it from there. They've actually played better these last few weeks. I mean, they beat Buffalo. They played Miami. They were within a score of Miami late in the game yesterday before Miami got away from them again. They're playing better. They just have a talent gap, a real talent deficit, frankly. Uh, Jets and Giants were playing in the rain, playing in the slop, and we've got some sloppy <laughs> numbers coming out of this game as well. 24 combined Ugh. punts, the most since 88. The two teams went four for 34 on third down. And, of course, my favorite, Charles, the Giants finished with minus nine passing yards. How? What did you make How? of this game? Just played in the slop. Does this – when you see a game like this, does it remind you of any games that you've ever called? Does anything come to mind? Yeah, but it'd be a lot of, you know, college games I called for regional mm. networks where two teams played that you couldn't find them on a map. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you know? What did you make of this one? If I gave you the coordinates, you'd still call me and go, still can't find them. <laughs> Latitude, <laughs> longitude, I got nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Giants, Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. The rib injury, I hope he's going to be okay. He stayed overnight in the hospital. Boy, did he get whacked, huh? Mm. Every now and then you get that reminder, and we all have the friends, and I'm quite sure you do. Tell me if I'm wrong, that lament to you guys. You know, in the NFL with all these rules, they don't hit like they used to, and they ought to just, you know, put, put, put flags on these quarterbacks, and it's just not the same. And then you see Tyrod get hit yesterday. Mm. That's not a reminder that they, that they hit that league. I don't know what is. Um, and then you get the Tommy DeVito experience, folks. Quick, where did Tommy DeVito go to college? Hofstra. By the way, you got two. You got two options. So I'm going to give you one. Either one, I'm going to give you the win. Um, there we go. <laughs> well, I'm winning. He's a I'm journalism winning. boy. He's a Syracuse guy. There you go. And well, nice, Patrick. That's... Well done. For the bonus, where did he finish? Illinois. Oh, ding, 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 ding. My man. <laughs> he knows his college ball for sure. <laughs> he knows his college ball. But, you know, again, undrafted for a reason. And he runs in a touchdown. And Graham Gano is a very good kicker, folks. I know he's got a little bit of a knee issue that he's not speaking about. He won't use it as an excuse, but there's no excuse for missing that kick, and he knows it. And people are going to roast Brian Dayball. They're wrong. Brian Dayball's strategy to me was spot on. You milk down that clock. You kick a chip shot field goal. 
There's 24 seconds on the clock. I don't know what he's going to do with his special teams with Thomas McGahee, but he may very well put the ball in play so that they have to make a decision about whether they want to run off time or not rather than kicking it out of the end zone. But bottom line is, even if you kick it out of the end zone, they got to go 75, you know, 65 yards or whatever it is, 75 yards to try and beat you, right? I mm-hmm. like the move. Who knew that he was going to miss a chip shot field goal, right? That's, that's what happens. That's the human side of this thing. So I, I saw where someone was coming for day ball, and I was like, boy, are you wrong. That's my opinion. You're way wrong. I thought his strategy was spot on in that situation. Because, by the way, fourth and one with multiple second and third string linemen is not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Okay? Fourth and one is not a guarantee. So I liked it. It just – but that was ugly. And how crazy was it that in overtime, Zach Wilson completes two pretty good passes. Yeah. And now he's now he's the king of New York. Who knew? How the tables turn. Uh, I got to ask you about the Jags. You were watching the Jags and the Steelers in Pittsburgh yeah. yesterday. Jacksonville now at the top of their division. It's 6-2. and two. They're three wins ahead of anybody else and at this point their division to lose. Yeah. How about this year for Travis Etienne? Another big touchdown. This one he gets through the air. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I actually asked him because his rookie year, there were a lot of reports out of Jacksonville that he was doing a lot of slot receiver stuff. And the more I read it, the more I was like, are they trying to make him a slot receiver? And I remember going, that's dumb, 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 dumb. He's a running back. You know, yeah, throw it to him, but don't make him a slot receiver. So I asked him point blank this week, and he said, no, they weren't trying to make me a slot receiver. He said, it's easy to pile on the previous staff. I get it. But they weren't. They just wanted me to run drills there. So it was extra extra dimension to our game and my game. And you saw that come into play yesterday because that was a wide receiver route he ran. That wasn't a swing out of the backfield, right? It wasn't even a slot. He was all the way out wide and outside the numbers. And it was a two-deep coverage. Safety took a lousy angle. And, tra- and uh, Trevor Lawrence threw a perfect pass, and he caught it just like a receiver and took it in. He is their Christian McCaffrey, the way that they're utilizing him and how they're playing. And the Jags are legit, and I'll leave it at this. They will play you any style you want to play right now. I know it's weird for us to talk about team wearing teal, Okay. But whatever style you want to play, they have the team capable of playing it. But I know this, their first impulse, if you don't make the choice and you allow them to choose, they will punch you dead in your face. That's who they are. Um, Speaking of Doug Peterson's former team, uh, Charles, the Eagles just continue to win, and I just feel like they haven't played their best football yet. No. Isn't that wild? Because we said this how many weeks in a row now. Yet how many weeks in a row do they come out with a win? Mm-hmm. I feel the same way you do. They have not played their best. I think Nick Sirianni believes that with his team, but I will tell you this within the confines of his coaching meeting, I would bet you almost anything. Oh, I'm not supposed to bet. I'm sorry. I would, I would, I would, I would posit that he has said to his coaching staff, no, we haven't played our best games yet. But, guys, we've got to get to that quicker. We've got to get to that sooner because we can't keep saying that week 13, 14, 15 because you know what will be? A quick out in the playoffs. When you don't get your game fine-tuned and you find ways to win in the season, those are the teams that bounce out quickly in the playoffs. I, we've seen it too many times. Um, 
Charles, obviously all the attention to Tyreek Hill having an incredible season. Justin Jefferson, although yeah, unheard, crazy. fantasy football darling. But what A.J. Brown is doing right now in the Eagles, is he that big, physical, fast receiver? Is he that guy maybe since T.O.? Like, T.O., like, who, yeah. who does he remind you of the most right now? Because that guy is on an absolute heater right now. Better than T.O. because he has better hands. Hmm. T.O. Was, was a lock for a drop or two a game. That's, that's... He also was a lock for a big player to a game. Right. And you never can question, listen, whether you like T.O. or not, and I'm not exactly what you call a huge fan, Okay. <laughs> But as a player, I was a massive fan of what he did because his intensity, his blocking, which was underrated, people didn't talk about it enough, his, yeah, I want the football, so people would want to call him a diva, but he wanted the football because he did things with it. And, oh, yeah, he played a Super Bowl coming back off of a broken leg. We're done with this conversation, okay? (laughs) He is that kind of a dude. I don't know what they've been doing in the water at Ole Miss down in Oxford, but remember, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf are teammates there. Oh, my goodness. Okay? They like plus-size receivers who can run. And I saw the two of them at the Manning Passing Academy a few seasons ago before they went to the NFL. They came out and ran routes for the quarterbacks. And both of them hit the field to run routes. My jaw dropped, and I was standing next to Archie Manning, and Mr. Manning goes, <laughs> good-looking receivers, huh? I said, they're receivers? <laughs> oh my God. I literally said that to him. I said, they're receivers, Mr. Manning? He said, yeah, those are the old Miss kids. I said, that's Metcalf and Brown? He goes, yeah. And then they ran the route, and you're like, ah. <laughs> and then, of course, halfway through, you know what they did, right? They took off their shirts. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and you know when they did that, you know what I did? Huh? I went and got a, a triple X size shirt to get yeah. to put on. Okay, because I'm trying to hide my flab, yeah. and these guys they don't have an eight pack; they have a sixteen pack. Okay. Yeah. Jeez, so funny looking at some of those college teams that were just super teams like Metcalf oh, yeah. and uh, together. That would be ridiculous. Uh, Charles, it gave you a little bit of homework at the end of our last chat uh, back on Monday. We were talking yes, about did. a a foursome for golf combines of yep. yourself and three other head coaches. You you had all week to ponder. Who have you come yep. up with? I'm playing with Mike Tomlin. Oh, nice. No ifs, ands, or buts. Okay, no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care if he plays golf or not. I just want him there for the conversation. Absolutely. I, play, I know this is a recency thing. It feels like it. But I'm playing with Doug Peterson. We had like the best that. conversation with him, okay? I think Doug Peterson, with his manner and how he does things, he's the same guy that took the job in Philadelphia. And, you know, he wears a, he's a visor guy, and, and yeah. the rain's coming down. So we were teasing him, like, hey, it's going to rain. You're going to wear a visor? He said, it's got to be pretty, pretty hard before I go to a hat. And then he goes, but when I play golf, I wear a hat, not a visor. I was like, oh, oh. you have strict rules about your stuff. So just for that reason, I want Doug Peterson in. Plus, he is the type of guy that no matter what is going to try and make – he's not going to take his medicine on a bad hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doug, yep. Doug is like, nope, I'm going to make it up. I'm going to hit a miracle shot right here, and I'm going to put it on the green. That's Doug Peterson. Okay? Mm-hmm. My third is Brian Dayball. Ooh, I like this group. With the Giants. 
Dave's is Dave's. I'm going to tell you some. Dave's is the life of the party. Dave's will have the cigars. The keg will be waiting for us at the turn. It, it, it might be waiting for us every hole. Okay, so that won't be a problem at all. But I have a wild card for you. Okay. The hoodie, Bill Belichick. <laughs> Everyone looks at him. They see the visage. They see right. the the non-answers. They see Ron to Cincinnati. The whole deal. I will bet you my last nickel. Here I am betting again. The league is going to be calling me soon. <laughs> if I get him on the golf course, and I throw some Springsteen on the on the speaker on my cart, yep. I'm going to have the best day. He's going to be fun. He's going to be loose. He's going to be the whole deal. And as soon as we sign our cards and shake hands, he'll be on to Cincinnati again. But yes, those bro. 18 holes <laughs> yeah. are going to be spectacular. And the reason I say that with confidence is I've talked with enough people who say, hey, you get in there and you have an evening with him and it's just you guys, it's the most fun you've had in a long, long time. So, yes, I'm bringing Belichick in. So I will just drive the cart. And watch the four of them go and just be an observer because you can't play five at good clubs. It doesn't work, okay? If you want to play at your muni track, you might get away with it. But when you're going to a legit place where you got to wear a collared shirt and the proper shorts and the whole deal, only four can play. Uh, Charles, I'm I'm not going to lie. I was hoping you were going to mention Dan Campbell in this foursome. Dan's such a given – that I just took him out of the play. Mm. I really did. It was too easy. Yeah. Because here's the thing. You know where I'm hanging out with Dan? The 19th hole. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Dan's sitting there waiting for us. Yeah. yeah. He, he's coming in from he's coming in from 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 doing blasting his back and buys and yeah. and the whole deal and you know and he's like, eh, anyway, I, last time I played golf when I swung the club, it snapped in my hand. So you know, the heck with it. Hey, who wants a beer? He's already beat every patron at pool in the bar. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> hey, 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 who wants to play some darts? You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> Just bullseyes all day. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> and by the way, he's probably winding up and throwing it like a Nolan Ryan heater at the dartboard, you know? He's not, he's not doing that little precise aiming and pitching. He's like, yeah. hey, you might want to stand back. I'm going to let this one go. But Dan, Dan at the 19th hole with a good meal. I do envision when it's over, a lot of cigar smoke. I know it's not, you know, the proper way. And by the way, I hate smoke. But for that one, I will throw on a gas mask and hang. Trust me. <laughs> uh, Charles Davis, always terrific stuff. NFL on CBS. Charles, uh, we'll I, talk to you I, next week. I love week. that. Dan Campbell, the 19th hole, ladies and gentlemen. No, for sure. Um, Charles, uh, you're the best. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for this, sir. I, I look forward to it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for indulging me on the hockey talk. I appreciate it. No, no problem. Always a pleasure. There he is, Charles Davis, on the uh, Tom's House of Pizza guest line. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Um, it's the hangover edition of the Heritage Classic. Big show live from Edmonton right now, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, we'll talk about the 5-2 loss straight ahead. We'll tell you how we did in our big bets, and we'll wrap up our locks that were on Friday, too. We'll do that next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, we're live in Edmonton for a few more minutes. We're back at the uh, the friendly confines of the uh, downtown studio in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada tomorrow. Um, we just talked to Charles Davis. Let's put a pretty little bow on our NFL Big Bets, brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at sportselect.com. Must be 18+. Please play responsibly. The boys had a good week. Back in the green. Patrick? Last, last week we were collectively yeah, sub-500. Uh, boys back in the black. What do we got, Patrick? Oh, uh, we got here. Well, uh, George and Maddie, you both went 5-1 and one yesterday. Woo! Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, Smoking hot. Maddie, your loss was the under in the Browns-Seahawks. Mm. And uh, George, your loss was the over in the Sunday Nighter. Mm. was close. Yeah, I went 3-2-1. and one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're all uh, above the Mendoza line, or I'm right at that. I'm right at the Mendoza line. Me and Joy, we're both at 500. Maddie's 29, 17, and two. I'm 23, 23, and two, and you're 24 and 24. Okay, 12 games above 500. It's pretty good. He's running away with it. Well, there's still lots of season. He's got to go there. 0 and 6 over the next two weeks for anyone to catch him. Well, and we picked to the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah, we right? picked. Yeah, we're going all the way up to okay, OSB. Yeah. That's all right. Lots of time left in the season, Rose. Lots of time for me to get an even larger lead. All right, just keep your pants on. Um, 29-17 and 2, George. Uh, Flames. Uh, 29-17 and 2, okay, George. thank you. Yeah, uh, I just good. wanted to make sure you had right. that. Yeah, thank you. 29-17 and 2. All right. Um, 12 game was above 500. It's pretty good. Um, Flames uh, lose the Heritage Classic 5-2 in Edmonton last night at Commonwealth Stadium. There's a number I wanted to talk to you about uh, mm. when it comes to this game, and sure. it's kind of eye-popping. What number is that, George? Um, obviously the Flames lost their fifth game in a row, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's an ice time number. Okay. Who led without looking, who led the Flames in ice time yesterday? Uh, without looking, uh, was it a forward? Um, uh, without looking. Uh, my guesses would be Hannafin cause he played a lot on the power play and also does the kill. Um, it's Hannafin. You know Is what it? you played yesterday? Twenty six eleven. Yeah. He was out there every second shift, it felt like. Yeah, well, he's doing all their power play work. As far as checking against McDavid, he's one of the guys that can do his best to skate with him. Um, he's obviously in a different level than anybody else on the ice, but I think that Hannafin's one of the guys that can kind of hold his own. Uh, I thought he was playing a pretty strong game yesterday, too. You know, you've got Gilbert right now paired up with Zadorov, which is a pretty hard-hitting pair, and then you have uh, Solovyov trying to find his way alongside Chris Tanev. So um, not surprised that they really hammered Noah Hannafin there, especially in a return game for Connor McDavid. Um, McDavid finished skating 23-26, so he was right back as usual. Um, not surprised that Hannafin's up there. It's way high compared to, yeah. I think, a lot of his numbers would be this season. But uh, just given where the team has been for the last little bit and those two four-on-three or five-on-three power plays in the first where he played almost the entirety of both of them, right? Um, I'm not surprised his ice time got way up there. Uh, here's another, uh, obviously not a surprise here to Elias Lindholm playing 21-47 yesterday. But here's one that caught my eye again uh, based on those two five-on-threes in the first period where essentially the Flames had that two-man advantage for almost – 
the full uh, two minutes. Uh, Jonathan Huberto played just 16.01 yesterday. And uh, furthermore, 4.30 on the power play. So he did Matt have Coronado quite a bit. played over a minute more than Jonathan Huberto yesterday. And Matt Coronado played 45 seconds more on the power play yesterday as well, almost 50 seconds more. Um, Jonathan Huberto was seemingly moved to second unit power play. Like there were times that even after a TV timeout to a power play, the Flames were going with the backland and power play unit rather than going with the Huberto power play unit. And, and I'm not overly shocked. They've been able to create and move the puck around pretty well, almost better than the Caudry Huberto unit has been able to do. Um, that being said, one of the things that Ryan Huskett did talk about going into the year was he wanted his star players to play more. Um, that's one thing that we've heard from uh, Jason Bukula talking about Huberto and about Uyghur. These are guys that thrive when they have more ice time and more opportunities to get out there. Mm-hmm. For Huberto, 1601, it's probably a little shy of where you'd like him to be. Like Dryden Hunt skated 17 minutes yesterday. This is a guy who we've talked about. He's elevated in the lineup, and he's not playing bad in those spots. But if you're in a situation where you want to have Dryden Hunt on the ice more than Jonathan Huberto, you're going to have a problem scoring goals. That's mm-hmm. that's just a fact, and we're seeing that. Yeah. Um, again, just watching this team just struggle so much offensively. Some of it has to just be confidence or just lack thereof. Uh, I think that there's very little. It's hard It's hard to feel good about your game when, you know, they had the five-goal outburst against the Jets to start the season. But apart from that, they, they've struggled to have instances where, you know, they're really filling the net with the puck. And, and we talked about it before the game. Like, this is an Edmonton team that was reverting back to an old defensive system for this contest in the Heritage Classic, and they didn't skip a beat. They looked great. They were very strong as far as defending the Flames. So thought it would be an opportunity for Calgary to get a little bit more offense, um, especially just given how things have gone defensively and between the pipes for the Oilers this year. But Stuart Skinner was good when he needed to be, and uh, for the most part, the Flames were kept on the perimeter and really couldn't get things to the crease. You know, they they did score the the rebound goal for Greer. They get the deflection from Kadri, but apart from those moments, I think there was just a lot of times where you would have liked to see a lot more from some of the guys in the um, throughout the course of that game. Um, the power play uh, is something that uh, is becoming a storyline right now. Uh, the Devils lead the NHL. They're operating at a forty-two point four percent clip. Which is just absolutely absurd. I think two more goals yesterday. They're not fourteen power play goals on the season. I don't know how many the Flames have. If you have it pulled up there, but yeah. it feels like it's got to be like three or four times as many as the Flames have. Uh, the Flames uh, power play goals uh, this season. Um, I'm looking. They're twentieth right now. Uh, they got two. Yeah, one two. for our last seventeen as well. One for the last seventeen. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, uh, that's no good uh, if you're the Calgary Flames. Uh, 20th, uh, there goes my take so far this season. I said they're not in the top 12. They're not going to make the playoffs. And right now, 20th just isn't good enough. Well, this is a team that doesn't really score five on five. So if you're not taking advantage of your opportunities with the extra man, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Now, it's not necessarily the day, I think, to, to 
necessarily rip on the power play. They were 33% yesterday. They go for two for six. Mm. Um, and, or pardon me, it, they get the one goal. They go one for, or nope, yeah, no, but, no, 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 I like but, Two but for it, six. But it's how it looked on the five on three, which was frustrating. Yes, the five-on-three was extremely Extended five-on-three. Two of them that were both like a minute 15 and a minute 20. I thought the second one was a little bit better, a little bit more direct, but um, want to see a little bit quicker movement, want to see a little sharper movement, and want to see pucks get to the net and just try and clean up some garbage around it because um, the, the seam passes and the, the trying for the one-timer, it's just not working. These guys don't necessarily have a great one-timer. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like half the instances where it gets put on a tee for someone on the power play, the shot ends up getting fanned on. And how do you go from there when, okay, you're putting things in a great spot for a shooter, but the shooter can't get the shot off on the power play. Like, that, that's just a tough spot to be in. Um, Patrick's digging up a Flames from 30 I got it. it there's not too much that goes in it just kind of goes into like yeah well they're coming up to maybe a decision day you know they're sitting second last in the west it's it's not a lot of there's no news on it there's maybe a little bit on the, like the he starts off with the uh, maybe I'll just play a little bit here all right play it let's yeah. let's hear it I thought it would be Hannafin signs and then wait and see no I'm not even sure about that like again like oh. it still could happen you know, I just had some people say to me around this. I just think that the way this season has started, I just think there's a little bit of uncertainty there now. Mm-hmm. I, I always hate asking about mood uh, when you're not there on a consistent. Yeah, it just kind of goes into the mood there. But there you go. Elliot's already doubling back on his mm. report of Hannafin signing. So, well, yeah. that's something we asked Eric Francis about yesterday. When we I did think the show since that report, level. they've lost. Three, if not four games. Yeah, I think four that... games: Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and now Sunday. Again. Mm-hmm. So they've lost four straight since that report came out. Yeah, and that I, I hope, I really hope, as Flames fans who listen to our show and our radio station, I just hope this season doesn't turn into we're just looking forward to the trade deadline and what they're going to get for Lindholm and Hannafin. It's really early to be thinking that. That's well, that's my worst-case scenario. I know. But you have that, like, look every on your game face. It starts, every game I find myself pondering it by the second or the third period. It's not like I'm like, oh, let's go down this road. But you just watch the play, and you watch them trail, and you watch them try and create offense, but do it just resulting in futility, then – yeah, of course you kind of start thinking about that and going down that path. You know, we, we talked about it last week a little bit. If that's the route you want to go, I think you could really be a power broker here. But it's really early in the year to be March going a down long the, way out. Going down that road. Yeah. And it's not like you, like, okay, get Connor Zary up here and see him. Jeremy Poirier's hurt, but maybe there's a little bit of interest in seeing, you know, what, what he, he can do I, I, at the I, NHL level. I just, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know where to, where to go from here, but I, I can confidently say that over this losing streak, there's been at least one instance in all of the losses where I have started thinking, like, hmm, well, I wonder where you go from here. You know, we talked about it in the off season. You are going to have two paths laid out for you here. You continue to compete and try to compete, or you don't. And 
sure, we don't really know what don't looks like, mm-hmm. knowing you know what ownership thinks about the team and, and trying to break it down. But at the same time, apparently Murray Edwards is in the building yesterday, getting an eye on things, getting the reports from the team and all that type of stuff, appropriately so, as the team's in a big celebratory game. But, yeah, I think this is now that you have to start thinking about these things. It's, oh, it's, boy. it's early in the season, but when a team's losing five in a row, what second last in the West, Patty, you mentioned, like, and that's – you never want to be just one spot above this iteration of the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Um, you just hope the Nine game... goals in nine games for the Sharks. Oh, my goodness. You just hope the game against the Blues was the low point so far of this season because at least the there was a little more effort put forth yesterday. But, again, tough game against the Stars on Wednesday night. Like, it just doesn't get easier. No, it's not going to get easier. It's... This is, it's the NHL. There is no easy games. This is, this is parody in the NHL. This is what I love about the league, that it's not going, you're not going to get uh, something like you do in the NFL where you're like, oh, three weeks where we drew the, the, the Panthers, the Texans in a bye week. Like, that doesn't show up on your schedule here. Yeah. It, it's always big games. You're always playing in division. Or in conference, because at best you're a wild card team, so you have to think even more about conference games, maybe more so than cross conference. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's just what it's been for this team all season long, and I think you have to think about it like that. Um, flames off until Wednesday night. Um, that's it for us uh, from Edmonton. Um, before we say goodbye, mm, Patrick, what did we do on Friday for our locks of the weekend? Uh, let me just uh, bring that in here. I gotta log in. I believe mm. I was one in one. I had Corey Seager over total bases, hit that dramatic home run. I had the, the uh, game, but I had the Rangers on the money line, so I went one and one. I think I went one and one as well. Yeah, Georgie had... went one and one. Uh, oh. Matt, yeah. What was your second one, buddy? I had the blocks for Scotty and OG. Mm. I yeah. think only Scotty got it. Scotty only OG had did. the blocks, or, or OG only had the blocks. He had two. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I went 1-1, one and one, and GBP went 0-2. Oh yes. uh, okay. Final standings, very... uh, we didn't all pick the same amount of locks, but Matt was over 500, 10-8. Uh, GBP was 6-12, I was 4-12, Georgie was 3-12. Okay. Woof. Woof. Uh, it's tough to go 3-12, <laughs> uh, just like 12-3. Uh, and three. Um, What do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show? Uh, we got Peter Galindo, a soccer contributor for Sportsnet.ca and the Northern Football Podcast. Gonna get a, he was in Hamilton there for the final, the CPL final. He's going to get a... A bow on that. Talk MLS playoffs. Canadian National League's got a couple big games against Jamaica next month as well. So uh, big, uh, big time in footy around this country. Um, that's it for us. Uh, again, shout out to our friends at Tuxedo Social Sports uh, for the show yesterday here in Edmonton at the Heritage Classic. Uh, Maddie and I got to get the hell out of Dodge and drive back to Calgary. Um, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a terrific day. Uh, bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.